series entitled uh, uh, Timeless Wisdom in Proverbs chapter 3. While we're finding our way there, if you're with us without a Bible this morning, uh, just flag one of these guys coming up the aisles and uh, they'll give you a Bible marked to our passage and that way you can see the Word as well as hear it. And if you don't own a Bible, make that Bible a gift from the Lord to you today. Also, um, Sunday nights we go through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and currently studying uh, the book of Acts this evening. And uh, this passage, of course, all of it is very applicable, but the passage we look at tonight was just, it's the days we're living in, so um, uh, super important. Uh, we pick things up here this morning in Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verse 13. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up. The clouds dropped down uh, the dew. My son, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they shall be life to your soul and grace to your neck. And then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. You, yes, you will lie down, and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Let's pray together. Fathers, always thank you for the blessing of being able to turn to your word. And we acknowledge that it is your word this morning. And we take a moment before we begin to study it, realize that you have written this and spoken it, not merely so you could uh, speak or so you could teach, but in order that this might impact our lives. And we pray that the message that is bound up in these verses, the message that you want us to hear from your heart and from your lips, that you would give us ears to hear that message this morning. And we pray for this work of your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. The theme and the subject of the book of Proverbs is, of course, wisdom, and it instructs us on how to live a, a, a life that is uh, wise, in that it is a, a, a life that blesses God, a life that is a blessing to our fellow man, and a life, of course, as a result that is a blessing to us. And is how uh, to live a life that is that blessing in the nitty-gritty of life in this fallen world. So uh, immensely practical. The book of Proverbs contains a lot of practical nuggets of wisdom, and uh, God has spoken them in a way that uh, they are very, very creative, and, and they are uh, graphic, and they grab our attention, and 
Each one of them is kind of a sermon on their own, addressing uh, either the encouragement or the discouragement of certain practices like gossip or uh, honesty, hard work, laziness, pride, self-control, and so forth. But Solomon does something interesting here at this point as he's laying out these Proverbs by the Holy Spirit, he pauses to explain the blessings that accompany obedience to God's wisdom. And when we instruct and disciple our children or when we're involved in uh, discipling anyone uh, in any area of life, whether it's learning how to fly an airplane or to uh, run a drill press or how to throw a baseball or anything, we instruct them in what they should or should not do in a particular situation. And then we always move on to explain to them the wisdom behind uh, the commandment. And uh, that is the problems that will occur if they violate the instruction that we're giving to them, the commandment that we're giving to them, uh, the blessing that will be theirs if they obey the commandment and the instruction we're giving them. And no education is complete unless it uh, includes this instruction as well. And so a vital part of any education will be not only uh, what is to be done or not done in a given situation, but to explain the why behind uh, the what of the instruction. And nowhere in life is this more important than we're talking what we're talking about in the book of Proverbs, and that is um, moral instruction for how to live a moral life. Again, a life that pleases God, it pleases our, uh, a blessing to our fellow man, and it is a blessing to us as well. And so Solomon now pauses to explain uh, the, the blessings that will accompany obedience to God's wisdom and God's commandments. In fact, this passage, verses Uh, 13 all the way down to uh, verse 26, they constitute something of a hymn or an ode or a song of praise uh, to the blessings which accompany obedience to God's wisdom. We think about how many uh, songs have been written in human history and none more than today that uh, extol every evil and every vulgarity in life and it's nice to have a hymn Uh, somewhere in the world to wisdom. So often obedience to God's word and to his wisdom and so often the Christian life itself, which is the um, uh, acme of of wisdom and and, uh, and the height of God's word and instruction. But so often God's wisdom is thought of in Christianity, thought of by many as a life of just kind of a joyless a drudgery, that it is the most unexciting life that a person could ever live. It is the most limiting life that a person uh, could uh, ever live, in which all of the blessings and all of the joys of, of this present life uh, are missed, and in which all of the joys and uh, all of the blessings will only be known Uh, in the life to come. But meanwhile, uh, here, it's just this limited, uh, 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 terrible drudgery of a life. And Solomon, at this point in the book of Proverbs, he slams the brakes on that view of a life that is lived under God's wisdom. 
You might stop and ask yourself, what was your view of Christianity before you became a Christian? And perhaps it was very much like that. And uh, the, that it would be the worst way a person could ever live life. They would miss out on all of, uh, of life in, in living that, that Christian life. Why do so many people agree uh, with the rightness of, of God's ways, the truth of, of God's word, and they even promise, and perhaps you know a number of these people, I certainly have and I do, they promise that at the end of their life, they're going to become a Christian. They agree with it that much, but they're going to do it after they've had all of their fun. And, uh, and, and why would they hold that view except they view Christianity as right and true? Uh, but it's a sure way to miss out on all of the, the blessings in life and the joy in life. And so it's something that is reserved for older people at the end of their life when they're incapable of having any more fun. And so the, 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 uh, that, uh, for those of us who might have had that kind of a view, whether with that kind of strength or some variation of that view of Christianity before we became uh, Christians, what changed our mind about it? Very often I think we discovered that sin wasn't as fun as we thought it would be that there are terrible consequences uh, associated with sin uh, that nobody took the time to educate us uh, about, Uh, that the practicing of sin didn't make us nearly as free as we thought it would make us, but instead sin always took us into its own form of bondage. Uh, We experience the emptiness of that kind of a, a life, the guilt associated with that kind of life, and our need for forgiveness for living that kind of life. And then we reassess the true meaning of life, the true meaning of wealth, the true meaning of what, it, what a blessed life is. Uh, and we came to value the life that God offered to us as opposed to the, the so-called wisdom in our own minds, the so-called wisdom of this world. And of course, Uh, All of it was the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and drawing us to trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and uh, and then coming into this life that God has intended uh, for us. And it's wonderful to me to realize that as a Christian and one who's walked with the Lord for decades now, that what God did in your life and in my life in causing uh, sin to be kind of like gravel in our mouths uh, in order that we would see it for what it was and to turn to him that that's a work that he's doing in every human life in the world uh, today a work of the Holy Spirit now this kind of uh, stern uh, dour joyless view of Christianity isn't entirely the fault of uh, those that are looking for an excuse to dismiss it Uh, Very often, uh, Christianity is dominated uh, by its more somber saints uh, who see nothing more in the scriptures and teach nothing else in the scriptures but uh, the denial of self, taking up the cross and following after, uh, after Jesus. And all of that is wonderfully true. But equally true is that even those things are done with the intention 
of bringing us into a life of joy, to bring us into an abundant life, to bring us into a rich life from the perspective uh, of heaven, and to do it in this life that we're living now. And here in this passage, neither Solomon nor the Holy Spirit will allow obedience to God's wisdom and obedience to God's commandments to be presented as anything less than a life that is presently full of blessing and full of joy and, uh, and uh, abundant in that. We want to begin at the very center of this passage in verses 19 and 20, in, in the center of Solomon's long list of, of the blessings of, uh, of God's wisdom with God's unique qualifications to provide mankind, to provide us individually uh, with wisdom. Certainly, if somebody's going to step up and claim that they have the wisdom, uh, uh, not only uh, for their own life and how to live their own life, but they possess a wisdom that they tell us we ought to live, the very first thing that we want to know is, what are your qualifications to speak so authoritatively on wisdom? I only wish that the sources of wisdom in the world were put under that kind of scrutiny, uh, but they're not. But there's no, uh, 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 so there's nothing wrong with doing that, and God isn't a, a afraid of the challenge. The immensity and majesty of God's wisdom, uh, Solomon tells us, is demonstrated in creation. Verse 19, in his design of the earth, the tides uh, uh, of the earth, the currents in the oceans, the seasons of the year, gravity, soil, seed for the soil, and so forth. Everything that, that allows life to exist and to flourish. And so not only is the earth a marvel of God's wisdom in its own right, but every creature in the world, every plant in the world, is a marvel in its own right. And when you add all of the interconnectedness and the interdependence of all of this complexity, it leaves you related to the creation, not only marveling at the power of God behind this creation, behind this world, but it leaves us marveling at the wisdom of God that is represented in this physical creation all around us. In verse 19, he declares that the design of the heavens, not just the earth, but the heavens, the atmosphere, the sun, the moon, the stars, uh, the universe that is around us is a marvel not only of God's power and that he spoke it into existence, but it is a witness to his wisdom and the universe is not random. It is so precise. It is so reliably ordered that mankind has navigated uh, travel both on land and sea uh, since the beginning of time. And even today when we send up rockets up into space and drones and all of these 
kinds of satellites and things that go into the air. NASA isn't coming up with the context. God has come up with the context. And the context is so reliable that they learn the wisdom of all of it. They cooperate with that wisdom and they're able to launch these vessels into space and then bring them back uh, safely. God's wisdom in verse 20 is manifest in the separation of the land from the water, creating the seas and the rivers, and with it the whole water cycle of, uh, of, uh, of the earth, and assigning the seas uh, their limits. And further, in verse 20, the majesty of God's wisdom is also revealed not only in his role as creator, but in his role as sustainer of the earth, and the sustainer of the heavens uh, and, and the earth. And it talks about his act of sustaining uh, of the earth at the end of verse 20, and that his uh, sustaining is revealed in something as so small even in the terms of its detail as to supply the earth with dew, And, of course, especially important in the land of Israel where Solomon uh, was king. And the point being that if this is the wisdom that God possesses, a wisdom that we witness and live in the midst of all day, every day, of each and every one of our lives, then why would I go to Dr. Phil or to my cultural anthropology professor for wisdom or for moral instruction related to life instead of God. So as the creator and the sustainer of the heavens and the earth, he is uniquely qualified to speak into how life is to be lived in relation to them. His credentials are unmatched. And then Solomon moves then into the blessings of God's wisdom. First in verses 13 through 16, it provides us with a happiness. God's wisdom provides us with a blessedness that no material thing uh, can bring to our lives. And thus the, uh, concerning ex- experiencing a truly blessed life, wisdom exceeds all material things in value. It exceeds the value of silver. It exceeds the value of gold. It exceeds the value of rubies. It exceeds the value of anything that can come to our minds that is physical in nature in terms of what we might desire. And though the number of people seeking happiness and blessedness in life and these things far exceeds uh, those who seek and find it in living a life that is guided by God's wisdom. Uh, It is being guided by God and his wisdom that makes us truly rich in life. Now, there's nothing wrong with having wealth in life. That's not condemned in the scriptures uh, at all. But it's a folly to think that it can produce true happiness or, or true blessedness in a life in comparison to God's wisdom. Among the limitations of uh, material wealth is first of all is that material wealth does not always bring happiness or blessedness to a person's life. 
It can complicate a life in a massive way. It complicates relationships. You think about uh, the life that ends up unfolding by uh, people that win these massive amounts in terms of the lottery and it's the end of them. They, their life is uh, destroyed as a result of it rather than finding some place of ultimate uh, a, a satisfaction or uh, joy. And so it, it's capable of bringing great conflict and pride and temptation to, into a person's life. And wisdom never brings those things into our lives. It, it always blesses a life. Second, it can't provide answers to the great questions in life. No material thing. I don't care how much gold we have, how much silver, how many rubies, how many material things, how many cars or whatever. You cannot go to them and say, what is the meaning of life? And get an answer. What is the purpose of life? And get an answer from them. Let alone them being able to provide that uh, in our lives or to ask uh, of them, why do people die? Uh, why does that death occur in the human existence? Uh, what, uh, what happens after death? How can I be uh, prepared uh, for death. Their, wealth is incapable of providing even the basic wisdom to us in life. Third, it's, it is uh, incapable of revealing to us how to live. It is incapable of imparting wisdom and, and, and incapable of satisfying a thinking person related to the wisdom that we know that we all need. Material things are wonderful in many ways, but they provide a context for life in the same way that a movie set provides a context for a scene in a movie. But the set is not the most important thing about the movie. The plot is the most important thing. The message is the most important thing. And only that, for anyone watching a movie, only that satisfies the longing of the heart or the mind of the person that watches a movie. Nobody watches it for its sets or its, its contexts. And, only, and in the same way, material things, they provide some context for our lives, but they're never to be confused with life itself or uh, its greater meaning or purpose. Jesus declared one's life does not consist in the, uh, in the abundance of the things that he possesses. And that's the truth of it. It's okay to have those things, but life should never consist solely or supremely in those things. Jesus said, for what will it profit a man if he gains the entire world and he loses his own soul. Second, in terms of the blessings that Solomon lays out in this wisdom uh, of God, generally a life lived in God's wisdom results in, verse 16, it results in length of days. I say generally because at this point in our study of the book of Proverbs, it's important for us to realize that while many of the Proverbs are uh, absolutes in terms of, uh, of their truth, uh, uh, many of them present promises that are 
uh, generally true for those who obey uh, God's wisdom. For instance, in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4, Solomon writes, Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. That is generally true, and la- that laziness leads to poverty, but there are rare exceptions where you can have this lazy son uh, who may be left a fortune by his parents at their death. But you have these uh, rare uh, exceptions. They can occur to the general Proverbs, but everybody understands that these are rare exceptions uh, in life. And here we have one of those kind of Proverbs. We know that wise people and righteous people, they can die young. They can die of cancer. They can die in auto accidents. They can uh, drown. But uh, we know that generally, a life lived in God's wisdom enjoys a longer life. And if for no other reason than that it will steer us away from the sin and the activities of life that are notorious for cutting human lives short. Uh, Drunkenness, uh, drunk driving, uh, drug addiction, drug overdoses, crime, rebellion to authority, sexual immorality, uh, anger, wrath, bitterness, uh, vengeance, hatred, envy, partying, gang involvement. So Billy Joel stole a line from what's been in human history for a long time, that only the good die young. But that, that simply isn't true generally. I think in the privacy of our own hearts, to, to think this morning, don't raise your hand, but how many of us would say, if it weren't for the Lord, I'd probably be dead by now. Or if it weren't for the Lord, I'd be well on my way to a very premature death. And we know it to be true. You notice in verse 16, third, generally God's wisdom results in riches and honor. And riches being the idea of having more than daily bread, more than our immediate uh, needs for, for sustenance. God's wisdom, all the way through the book of Proverbs, it extols a very strong work ethic, discipline, honesty, taking the initiative, uh, faithfulness in a person's life. And all of those things are still very rewarded materially in this life. People are looking for these kind of people to hire. And they are relatively rare. And so they end up having a way in their rarity of, of earning uh, what that rarity uh, deserves. And so uh, that these things produce a, 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 a riches in our life, certainly in comparison to living a life that's the opposite of those things. And living according to God's wisdom, it seals up as well all of the holes in our pockets, so to speak, uh, where money is needlessly lost or needlessly uh, wasted. In other words, spending money on drugs or on alcohol or on gambling uh, and uh, etc. or all the get-rich-quick schemes that, that go on. 
and we're protected from these, these things. Not only does money come in, but it doesn't go out in, in improper ways. And so it's able to uh, accumulate in our lives and become something greater than, uh, than food and clothing and shelter most often. There's an old story about a drunkard who had become a Christian, and this old story, I think, captures this very well. He was asked how he could possibly believe all the nonsense in the Bible about miracles. Uh, uh, His friends told him, you don't believe that Jesus changed the water into wine, do you? And he said, I sure do, because in our house, Jesus changed whiskey into furniture. And that is the point that is made, and that's a truth about all of this. When he talks about honor here, uh, while occasionally when a Christian uh, lives this kind of life in God's wisdom, uh, they, they are despised or we are dishonored uh, by some uh, for doing so. In general, the kind of life that God advocates us to live It is one that is highly esteemed morally by the overwhelming majority of people. And so honor is a great reward of wisdom in life. One of the things about honor is you cannot buy that from people. You cannot buy that for all of the money in the world. All of the money in the world possessing that will not allow me to buy honor from a single human being that exists in the entire world. Because honor is given by people to another person of their own free will. And they almost exclusively reserve that honor for someone who is living an honorable uh, life. You notice in verse 17, that wisdom brings pleasantness to our lives. The word can be equally translated the delightfulness. In other words, living this life that is right in relationship with God, right in uh, relationship with our fellow man, it is its own delight or its own uh, reward. And it is the only life that we can live and declare of it. There is nothing unpleasant about this life. There is nothing unpleasant spiritually or mentally or emotionally or physically about it. Further in verse 17, the paths of wisdom are paths of peace. They put us on paths of shalom uh, compared to all other paths in life. We're no longer warring with God on a daily basis. We're no longer warring with our, unnecessarily with our fellow man. And so pleasantness of life, uh, here in the peace of life, they speak to the quality of life that wisdom brings uh, to us. So often people are so concerned about a long life. And I'm all for having as long a life as God intends any of us to have. Nothing, uh, nothing wrong with that at all. But all of us know enough people in the course of being alive that a long life can become an absolute curse if it isn't marked uh, by peace and by uh, pleasantness. Further in verse 18, God's wisdom, uh, Solomon says, is a tree of life. That is, its fruit brings health to our lives, it brings wholesomeness to our lives, 
In other words, God's wisdom will never harm us. It will never poison us. And, and what else can you say that of in terms of wisdom in this world? In an even higher sense, we find the tree of life spoken of in, in the heavenly scene in Revelation chapter 22. And uh, here we have the idea that to live a life of God's wisdom and, uh, and putting our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, his cross being the ultimate uh, tree of life, is to get a, a foretaste of heaven uh, in this life. God's wisdom is a tree of life. Further, in verse 22, God's wisdom will be life to your soul. In other words, it will never do, again, any damage to our soul. It will only do good to our soul. And, and it will protect us from the, the, uh, the gnawing anxiety, uh, all of the regret that is the daily portion of, of the wicked. And that's a big deal. Uh, to live a life that is not uh, daily dominated uh, by uh, anxiety and regret over the life that we're living. Further in verse 22, God's wisdom, Solomon said to his son, and equally true of a daughter, God's wisdom will be grace to your neck. And so imagine seeing around somebody's neck a, a beautiful, valuable uh, uh, necklace. And so uh, it, it brings a beauty, wisdom does, a beauty and an attractiveness to our lives uh, that uh, is as obvious and as undeniable as the wearing of a beautiful uh, necklace. So often if you see somebody uh, wearing, I think especially a woman toward another woman, a beautiful necklace, almost, almost always it is noticed, it is recognized, and uh, some kind of a compliment will be forthcoming uh, related to that. It's the same thing related to uh, the character that God brings into our lives. All of the money in the world uh, cannot produce or uh, replace um, that uh, beauty. I think one of the most graphic uh, of the Proverbs is Proverbs chapter 11, verse 22, as a ring of gold in a swine's snout. Um, that's a picture of wasting <laughs> something. Uh, to put a gold ring in a pig, uh, it, uh, that's a waste of a gold ring. As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. And it speaks of the woman who is outwardly beautiful, but she lacks godly morals or godly character uh, inwardly. And all of her outward beauty is going to be undone by the lack of her inward uh, beauty. All of it will be wasted. And of course, the same thing is true of men. And God's wisdom protects us from a life in which all of our beauty is only skin, uh, uh, skin deep. And, and then uh, it, making us vulnerable to kind of those sad whispers of those that look at us uh, in that embarrassing condition uh, and, uh, and the things that 
concerning the, the things that we can't see related to our lives. We think we're something amazing and something so attractive by virtue of, uh, of an outward beauty, but devoid of wisdom. And, uh, and we don't realize that uh, uh, elsewhere in our lives, people walk away from us shaking their head, uh, feeling so sorry for us uh, that our, our wisdom or our beauty in that regard is only skin deep. Further in verse 23, God's wisdom provides us with a safe way uh, tra- to traverse life without stumbling blocks. And so God's wisdom spares us the very, as the, as the old saying goes, the very high tuition of learning these things in the school of hard knocks. You'll learn them one place or the other. Everyone learns them. Whether we heed them, that's another thing. Uh, but you can't fight the wisdom uh, of the universe and the creation and the earth uh, with impunity. It can't happen. So we're going to learn these things one way or another, and the least damaging way to do that is to take heed to God's wisdom and to obey His Word, and certainly as early as possible. Further in verse 24, God's wisdom produces a life that is free from fear. It it allows us to live a life uh, with a confidence that we would never otherwise uh, know. There's a confidence that comes with knowing I am living life as God has intended me uh, to live it. I am living life as, as I'm supposed to uh, live. And, and wisdom, God's wisdom produces that freedom uh, from uh, fear. God's wisdom further in verse 24 is conducive to uh, sweet sleep. And so, uh, it, it, because we can go to bed at night with a clear conscience that we've lived a life that day that has been a blessing to God on some level, it has been a blessing to our fellow man, we have no, done no damage to people as a result of the life that we have, have lived, even if it means that we had to do something that was hard uh, but right and, and might have troubled another person and walking uh, in God's wisdom. Uh, but a clear conscience is a wonderful thing that is associated with uh, God's wisdom. Nobody is truly rich who goes to sleep every night with a, a, a guilty conscience. In verse 25, it's a life in which we can live unafraid of the sudden terror uh, that the wicked live under uh, all day, every day in their lives. Not only do the wicked not know uh, the peace of the righteous, the Bible teaches that they don't know any peace at all. And one of the reasons that the wicked don't know any peace in life is because they're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. They're waiting for the day when the consequences of their wisdom finally catch up to them in the form of a bullet or in the form of an arrest or in the form of exposure or in the form of an act of revenge and so forth. 
It's a miserable way to live, and God's wisdom steers us away from it. Then finally in verse 26, a life lived in God's wisdom produces, again, a deep confidence concerning uh, the future. And uh, that knowledge that as we, as we are living in obedience with God, we are giving Him His, uh, our obedience to work with in our lives. So whatever may, uh, today may bring or tomorrow uh, may bring, I'm in a place in which the fullness of his blessings and uh, can be poured out from his throne uh, upon uh, my uh, life. And it, and it causes us to live uh, that kind of life and, and a life that keeps us separated from uh, the traps that uh, are looking to ensnare us uh, in life. And so here, Solomon and the Holy Spirit does for us, as God's children what we do with our own children, when all they can see are the prohibitions of our wise instruction and commandments, to then just take the time to walk them through it to see all of the blessings of God's instruction and His wisdom and His commandments, and to be reminded that Anything that we seem to think we might be missing in this life as a result of being a Christian is only for our uh, good. That we live the richest, the safest, the most peaceful, most blessed life a person can live uh, this side of heaven. As somebody has put it very, very well, sin Uh, in in terms of God. Sin is not bad because it's forbidden. It is forbidden because it is bad. And when that light goes on for a person in terms of understanding God's commandments and why he wants to steer us away from these things, then everything in terms of understanding it changes Uh, in a moment. And if you're not yet a Christian here this morning, it's important for you to understand that as much as it is for a Christian to understand it. When Christianity is presented to you uh, in a uh, university classroom or in a sitcom or in a family or in a, uh, wherever that exposure may occur in life, or it is even a conclusion that you have come to in, in your limited understanding of, uh, of Christianity as something that's just this, uh, God's commandments just being this uh, list of, of, long list of mindless, unnecessary uh, prohibitions that God has just introduced into the human condition to keep people from enjoying life, to keep them from being blessed or keep them from uh, happiness and joy. And now you know that nothing of that is true at all. The rest of the story concerning God's prohibitions, every one of them is given out of love and every one of them is given out of a perfect wisdom and every one of them is given Uh, designed to protect and to enrich our lives and to live the life that uh, God intends us to live. 
and it is the only, and that's why it's called wisdom, and, and not only called wisdom, but actually is wisdom in the nitty-gritty of this fallen world. Again, if you're not saved this morning, the life lived within the blessings of God's protection uh, and uh, of God's wisdom, it begins someplace, and it begins not by turning the book of Proverbs and endeavoring now to keep these Proverbs, these nuggets of wisdom in your own strength. It begins by you being born again by the Holy Spirit. It means coming to God and saying, God, I believe your assessment of me is a sinner. I've been less than perfect all my life. And I believe that my sin has separated me from a relationship with you. And I believe I was created for a relationship with you. But I also know, believe that you loved me so much that you sent Jesus into human history to pay the full and satisfying payment for my sins. And so I put my trust in him this morning in order to be forgiven of those sins and now to enter into a relationship with you. And when a person does that, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and now gives us not only the will to do, the desire to live the life that God describes in the Scriptures, but now the power to do, uh, live it as well. And some of these Proverbs or some of these things of wisdom that we've looked at here uh, this morning, I've spoken about what God's wisdom protects us from, all of the sin, all of the condemnation, the regret, uh, the consequences of a life of sin. And, and if your life is full of those consequences, all of that regret, all of that condemnation, it's important to realize that there is no sin, no lifetime of sin that is greater than the forgiveness that Jesus purchased for us on that uh, cross. And God will make us, when we trust in Him, Jesus, for salvation, He will turn us into a new creation, and He gives us a fresh start in life. I like the old saying, there are none who are so good that they need not be saved, and none so bad that we cannot be saved. Everybody is in need of and has available to us the salvation that is found in Christ. If you've never done that, trusted in Jesus, there'll be pastors and other men and women up in front immediately after the service. They'd love to pray with you and give you a Bible, give you some literature to help you get started in your walk with the Lord. For all of us in the room today, if you need prayer in any way in your life, they'd love to pray with you and for you as well. Let's stand together now and we'll close in prayer. Father, thank you for the clarity of your word and just to see line upon line and precept upon precept to be reminded of the blessings of a life lived with you and within your wisdom. And so often, as I've said, this Christianity and a walk with you is so often presented as a, an absolute drudgery uh, intended only for someone who's on their deathbed, and yet we know better. Thank you for sparing our lives long enough to one day hear your gospel and to be saved in the midst of our folly and our foolishness. 
And thank you, Lord, for making us into new creations, giving us a new hunger for new things. And thank you most of all for the relationship with you that we have found in Christ. Thank you for the privilege of living this life of blessing in the context of your perfect wisdom. And we thank you this morning in the name of the one who made it possible. In Jesus' name, amen.